0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Modern Cavemen podcast. This week, Yoni and I are in Venice, California, and we sit down with Erica Gastoni on Instagram at Erica, E-R-I-K-A dot Gastoni, G-A-S-Z-T-O-N-Y-I. Erica is a really, really interesting young woman. She has a wide range of knowledge on movement and a really interesting perspective on strength work, especially for women. Uh, She debunks the myth that strength training makes you bulky. Uh, And I can quote her saying, the stronger I got, the more feminine I felt. We talk a lot about why you should be doing hip thrusts uh, multiple times a week, heavy hip thrusts. She can hip thrust over 500 pounds. um, And the importance of core work, not ab work, but core work every day. Um, And we also talk about her journey from being a yogi vegan to having her first steak in six years, which happened yesterday, actually. Um, and we talk about it a ton more. I think you guys are really going to enjoy the show. Before I let you go, if you guys do enjoy the show, we would appreciate it if you would share it with a friend and give us five stars on iTunes. It would mean a lot. And without further ado, enjoy this conversation with Erica Gastoni. Much love, everybody. Thanks. Hold on, wait. we're live. We're live, Erica. All how right, are you of course. Happy to be here.
1: We've met you briefly at uh, City Fit Fest yes. in San Francisco uh, almost a year ago We're mm-hmm. mutual friends of Michelle and Gina. Yep. And now we're in Venice, California. Anyway. How long have you
2: been down here? Um, I've been living in Santa Monica for about three years now. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in Long Beach. Um, went to school in Texas, and then orange county and then uh lived in redondo beach for a year but now been out in the west side
0: cool yeah this is i'd say probably one of my favorite places in the united states
2: yeah it's pretty pretty awesome here perfect yeah
0: so we were talking before we started recording um you lift heavy weights yes (laughs) and you're not a big muscular man
2: no i (laughs) am not (laughs) Um, when I very first started getting into training, when I was, um, a teenager, I remember very, very clearly saying, I don't want to touch weights. I don't want to work out too much. I don't want to look like a man. I don't want to get big. Um, I have people all the time comment on how I look very strong and how they're impressed of how strong I am, but yet I still have a feminine physique, um, The other week, a guy comes up to me at the gym because I'm hip thrusting 500 pounds. That's what I want to know.
0: What's your hip thrust PR?
2: Hip thrust PR is 550. Oh, my
0: God. (laughs) i think they even roll the 550
2: Today, I was like, okay, I'm feeling weak, and I still hit uh, at 455, hit eight reps, 405, 10 reps solidly for multiple multiple sets.
0: Are you on like a hip thrust program or like some kind of linear progression where you're like, I'm yes. going to hip thrust.
2: Yes, definitely. For the past couple of years, I've been taking it pretty seriously. I'd say this past year, it's really excelled quite a bit. Um, but I follow anywhere from four to six week programs that I design um, that I design myself. Um, kind of focusing on I I switch back and forth between between different focuses, but um, hip thrusts are my main thing. But I mix in lots of com- all the compound lifts, squats, deadlifts, and why yeah. hip thrust because it is, so few reasons. Um, It's great for the butt. It's great for the butt, great for glute development. Um, That was the initial thing at the beginning, but then also for like health safety reasons. Um, At the beginning with deadlifts and squats, I felt it primarily squats, my quads, my low back, Barely could feel any glute activation. Same thing, deadlifts, hamstrings, low back, barely any glute activation. Um, until I started isolating glute development and really focusing on glute strength. Now I do squats and deadlifts, and I feel it a ton in my glutes, and I don't feel any pain in the wrong places. Um, but yeah, until I started really focusing on not just the activation of glutes, but making my glutes the dominant muscle, um, and I felt massive, massive difference in that. Yes. Well, both the mind body connection and actually physically getting the, the glutes stronger because no matter how much, cause I would hear things and I take this in core training as well too. Um, but no matter how much you're saying, okay, engage your glutes, engage your glutes. That's one of my least favorite cues in, in training in general, engage your core, engage your glutes. Like, so there's, there's a, I, I, I think there's a lot more um, that you can do with cueing to actually get those to be engaged because no matter how much people were telling me engage your glutes they still wouldn't fire until I started doing glute specific exercises and then even when I had the mind muscle connection um, say I'm getting fatigued or I'm under a load that is demanding a lot the body's going to go to the point of the path of least resistance or the what <laughs> it knows already um, and I already knew how to engage my quads so I already went into that area um, until the glutes became stronger than my quads and then they would take over. Wow. So since I did all that hip thrust training now it's been highly, highly effective for that. Do
1: you, you do it every week or you cycle in and out of it?
2: In... Um, I do it, so I cycle in and out so I don't want to say like, okay, I do hip thrust three times a week. Um, right now I'm doing it about twice a week. There was a while I was doing it four times a week. Um, but I switch it up. Like I was saying before I do about four to six week programs. Um, and yeah, so it's very dependent on what type of program I'm on at the moment.
0: And you do a lot of sh- strength work, I'm guessing. That's yes. like, so you were a skinny yogi, as yeah. you said, in air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you started lifting weights. Yes. Uh-huh. And can you talk about that journey and maybe what? your training looks like now and what you've noticed. And
2: so, um, when I transitioned kind of from yoga into calisthenics, it was more upper body focused training and lower body workouts literally made me cry. Um, and, uh, yeah, Vishal, he knows me when I was in that state and we would get in arguments all the time about (laughs) how much I hated lower body workouts. I, I mean, like, tears crying. Um, And (laughs) I was very focused on just calisthenics upper body strength training. Um, And then... Then I started about two or let's say about three years ago, I decided, you know what, I'm going to get into lower body training. And it was a struggle at the beginning. And because I just, I didn't like feeling weak and I just felt so weak and everything felt wrong. Um, and I'd say about six months in, I started to feel a major transformation and things that Felt off or felt weak before I'd get little moments of like, wow, this feels solid. This feels strong. And then that feeling in my body, that transformational feeling was very addicting. And, um, and that's a why I got into it was, it was kind of proving to myself that I can do something that I thought wasn't possible. Um, because I literally thought that my body is not meant to be able to bear that kind of weight. I'm never going to be able to do that. That's just my body type. I'm an ectomorph. Um, and that's just, that's all that I can handle. Um, but then once I felt that transformational experience, it's, it was quite addicting.
0: And you're doing strength work, every day now um
2: i wouldn't say every single day um i
0: what's a typical week with like kind of a 30,000 foot view
2: let's see okay so today for example i did heavy hip thrusts and then i followed it with much lighter things like um i went in the 400 range for heavy between like 8 10 reps and then Went down to about 225 and I'm doing very slow controlled tempo reps for high volume mixed with other glute isolation stuff. Then, um, tomorrow I'll probably do an upper body focused workout. I've recently started adding upper body back in for a while. I actually wasn't focusing on upper body. I was able to maintain a base uh, a pretty good upper body, um, uh, like my physique pretty much stayed the same and um, maintained that strength that I had just based on like the calisthenics core that I was doing and doing compound lifts like back squats, deadlifts. I am still activating through that. Um, so for about six months or so, I haven't really been focused on upper body training and. Just doing skill stuff like climbing, acrobatics, um, kind of kept that up. Um, but in the past three weeks, I've been adding upper body back in. So tomorrow probably will be more of an upper body focused day. Um, same thing. Probably Wednesday as well. Um, Thursday, I'll probably hit hip thrusts again. I'm the program that I'm on currently is focusing on long holds. So I'm staying at a consistent rep or I'm staying at a consistent weight. And holding for five seconds at the top, trying to get as many reps as possible at that. Then going up in weight, holding for three seconds at the top, getting as much as I can there. And then holding for a one second hold, getting as much as I can there. So um, I do that once a week. Um, And then the following day will probably be more upper body focused. Previous programs that I've had in the past have been uh, hip thrust focus and then full body more functional days but I haven't been doing as much of that lately um, it's just, it just switches from month to
0: month. The
2: wrist injury has a lot to do with it. <laughs> um, cause a lot of the full body functional stuff, I loved kettlebell work. Kettlebell stuff really gets my wrist quite a bit. Um, all of the acrobatic stuff, the climbing stuff, the hand balancing stuff that I did, um, that is not as much of an option anymore. Um, so, so I've kind of had to switch that focus.
0: Well, how do you, let's talk about your wrist injury and how yeah. you work around Cause I feel like everyone has some kind sure. of injury yeah. and you're still out there every day showing up and getting it done. Yeah. Um, a lot of that's probably mindset.
2: Yes. A lot of that is mindset. Um, a lot of people actually have reached out to me from from Instagram about it saying how like, oh, they've gotten an injury and that meant that they took time off and or people are saying, oh, uh you're, you can focus, I mean, I haven't focusing on other things in life as well too, but I would say that my training, despite a major injury has not diminished whatsoever. I've just managed to switch it into different, different focuses, different areas. I'm not going to let it slow me down overall. Um, I'm taking it as an opportunity to focus more on building strength in other areas, building lower body strength more. Because um, there only are so many hours in a day and I train, you know, three to four hours a day. And since I can't be dedicating a couple hours to hand balancing or acrobatics every day, that can be transferred into other things. Um, so I little background on the wrist injury back probably in December was when I started feeling pain in it, but I didn't want to admit it. Um, January it was starting to bother me and February it was bothering me quite a bit. Um, I still wasn't admitting it to people because the second that you say it out loud, it becomes real. Mm -hmm. And,
1: and and I didn't
2: want to admit it to myself. Exactly. And I, I, as a handstand teacher, too, handstands were my my livelihood. It was my passion, my main focus. So say I just wanted it to be, oh, it's just a little ache, pain. It's going to go away. It's going to go away. Um, by March, it was something that was really starting to inhibit my practice. Um, I was feeling range of motion go down. Um, I was feeling it in other areas than just handstands. Um, I had stopped climbing. I stopped, um, hanging things were bothering it. Deadlifts were bothering it. Um, I tweak it. I mean, even just like the little things like holding an object like this for more than a minute or so, like holding a water bottle if I'm just like walking down the street, starts to bother it. Wow. So, um, and then it was getting to the point where like it would be throbbing throughout the night, keeping me up at night. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I have to admit it. This is a real thing. Um, in my head, I still wanted to say, okay, it's just probably something like, okay, it's just a, uh, you know, like a little, little thing. I'm going to go get it checked out and just be told that I'm just going to have to take a couple of weeks off. Um, and at the time taking two, three weeks off seemed like the end of the world. But, um, so I went and got an MRI And then I was told I had avascular necrosis. What is that? Um, It's uh, basically lack of blood flow for an unknown reason to, in my case, the lunate bone in the wrist. And the lack of blood flow is causing the bone to die. Um, And so meaning I need to stop... um, Putting pressure on it. Stop overworking it. Um, otherwise, it's going to get worse and worse. The problem with this injury, I w- people say, oh, well, at least it's not broken. I wish it was a broken bone. I wish it was a torn ligament. I wish it was something straightforward. The problem with it is that there's not a lot of concrete data on it, and there's no one uh, easy answer if this is how we're this is the process that we're going to do to fix it. Um, for example, I broke my ankle back about two three years ago. Um, I got dropped doing acro, um, and it broke straight through the bone. It was horrible, but it was okay. You're going to have surgery. We're going to put plate. We're going to put a plate. We're going to put pins in it. You Can't walk for four months. Then you're better. Boom. Easy. Um, so a straightforward answer. This is not a straightforward answer. They basically... I've gone to see three doctors. I'm basically told that anything we do at this point is experimental. That doesn't make me feel great. Yeah. Um, they're like, we could do this surgery. It could make you better. Or it could mean you only ever have 30% of your wrist mobility back. And they're like, you may be able to handstand perfect, but there's also a chance that you won't be able to handstand again. Um, so that was... Very frustrating to deal with kind of this mystery zone of it. Um, even if I was told that it would be a long recovery, but if I was given a for sure answer, then that would make me be able to plan. Um, so, what I kind of did with it is I kind of put it on hold. Um, they put me in a cast, and um, then another doctor told me that being immobilized won't fix it. It's just preventing me from doing anything worse. Um, I decided that I'd rather get on with my life and just be mindful about it, not push it too much, but that I don't want to be immobilized, stuck in a cast and dealing with that. I'd rather be able to then focus on other training. Um, and even if it meant I was doing a little bit of harm to it, it was worth it for me to get on with life. So I kind of put it on hold the past couple months. Um, mentally, I'm in a very, very good place about it. Um, at the beginning it was, I was in this state of what am I doing with my life? I can't, if I can't do handstands anymore, am I still going to be a handstand teacher? Um, that was the main focus of my training. That was my passion. And I tied a lot of my identity to handstands. I was Erica handstand girl. So if I'm no longer Erica handstand girl, what am I? So, um, yeah, so honestly, even though, it might sound a little irresponsible to have taken off the cast, taken off the brace and gone on with stuff mentally. It was a very, very healthy thing for me. Um, I'm in the best place of my life mentally, even though I don't have handstands anymore. Um, and I'm ready now to get back to dealing with the injury and seeing what other possibilities there can be. Um, I'm playing with the idea of possibly doing PRP um, treatment. Um, I've had stem cells recommended, um, although all doctors, I had a phone consultation about it. All doctors say that, um, it's still not a guaranteed answer if PRP
0: or stem cells can fix it. So, um, but yeah. And that's, that can go either way. I had PRP done. Uh-huh. Um, my dad actually had stem cells done and some people have like amazing results with yeah. it. And some people, I mean, it's almost worth,
2: it's, it's worth trying. trying and
0: they're getting yeah. a lot better. at it. I feel like every time mm-hmm. I talk to the doctor I'd done it with, Who's kind of a friend? He's like, "Oh man, well you got to see what we're doing now." Yeah. Um, it's accelerating. A year from now, that thing's going to be totally fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like, oh, I'm oh, pretty worry.
2: confident that like it will get fixed eventually. Um, but yeah, and yeah, between PRP and stem cells, it's just because it is a newer thing, and because this injury or condition, or whatever, um, is a, uh, it's not exactly the most common thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hand specialists that I saw says that he's like broken bones. You know, I see hundreds of them a year. This one I see maybe one or two cases of them a year. And most of them are in general laborers, not people who are handstand or acrobats, people who want to be on their wrists all the time. Um So it's just, it's kind of a, a confusing situation.
0: Yeah.
2: Um And yeah, one of the PRP, um, the consultation that I had, he said that he's treated avascular necrosis in the hip, but he's never treated it in the wrist for a hand balancer. So again, couldn't guarantee me something, but um, but that's just all part of it. And yeah, some people have seen great success, so it's worth trying. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and it's I'm, funny. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, then. I'm
1: just curious about you know you, we talk about the mental like how mm-hmm. you I mean, from the identity stuff I'm yes curious of like. What was going on and how you how you got to where you are right now in terms of the mental state. Your new identity perhaps.
2: Yes. Um, so not being I still have little moments, don't get me wrong. There will be like maybe once every couple weeks I'll there'll be a handstand thing and I'll see someone doing something and I'll wanna I'll wanna be able to participate in it and do that and oh that's that used to be who I was. Um, but overall there's been so I <laughs> I've actually yes, I want a full functioning body and wrist and I want to be able to do all the things. Um, but in some ways I'm kind of grateful for it because there were things now that I'm doing that I would have never been open to doing before. Um, I'm learning backflips now I'm hiking more. I'm, uh, I'm being able to, my strength, my lower body strength is like skyrocketing more than it ever was before. Um, other things in my life too, that I am a multidimensional person that is more than just fitness and, because I'm not just so hyper handstand and acrobatics focused. I've been able to use my free time to get back into exploring those other parts of my personality. And because of that, it's made me a happier person in general. And so in some ways, yes, I do want it better, but I'm almost hesitant at getting back to it because I'm so grateful for the opportunities that it's opened me up for. Um, and yes, not tying myself to just this handstand girl. Um, One of the things too with the identity is a lot of my my friendships and my community here were founded on my skills. Um, I have a lot of friends that the foundation of our friendship was doing handstands together, making handstand videos together, doing handstand training together, playing with handstand things. Um, For example, a lot of uh, my social life was at Santa Monica Muscle Beach at The Green, which is known for acrobatics. And since this came up, I haven't been going out there. Um, that was kind of a sad thing at the beginning, but there was really no place for me to go out there. I kind of felt like, um, I would always say I felt like a puppy dog going to a dog park, but being stuck in a cage <laughs> and watching all the other puppy dogs play, but not being able to participate. So I just, I stopped going out cause I couldn't do acro, couldn't do handstands, but, um, very quickly, instead of, I'm not the kind of person who's just going to sit around and do nothing. I'm not the person who's just going to be depressed and mer- feel sorry for myself. So um, very quickly, once that wasn't an option anymore, I had to explore other things. And it's opened me up so much to realize there's more to life than handstands. And I, six months ago, I would have never thought of myself saying that. That's <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. What,
1: what else have you been doing lately? Um, they brought the brings step towards your life that we see in your eyes right now. <laughs> um,
2: I've been just exploring LA, the city, um, doing more artistic things, um, more non fitness type events, um,
0: you mentioned climbing a couple times. Are you climbing a lot?
2: Um, I can't climb with the wrist oh. anymore. Um, I tried one arm climbing a couple times.
0: <laughs> <That sounds interesting. laughs> I know,
2: right? <laughs> it was fun. Um, it was a lot more, it, I know it sounds challenging. It was even more challenging than I thought. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've been, yeah, just exploring, doing other things, making relationships, friendships with non-fitness people. Um, and that's been great. It's been a lot more intellectually stimulating too. Um, I mentioned to you, I'm learning backflips. Um, I kind of twisted my ankle the other week, so that got put on hold for a couple weeks, but it's all better now. Um, (laughs) but yeah, the learning flips has been so much fun to do and, um, that I can do all these other things with my body. Um, but yeah, climbing had to be put on hold as well. Um, cause that was, that was tweaking it quite a bit.
0: It's funny. Um, the universe kind of gives you what you need, right? It
2: really does. And it was a great opportunity for that.
0: And, um, you were but, just you too know. damn good at handstands. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I really see it as a positive, a positive thing that it brought to me, even though at the beginning it was, I thought it was the end of the world.
0: Yeah. Do you train yeah. in the mornings?
2: Um, I do now. I recently started training in the mornings. I used to not, I used to be about like 10 to noon. I'd go to the gym. Um, I've kind of switched my schedule around. Um, so I'm in a new relationship. I recently have a new boyfriend. And, um, so we've been training in the mornings together. I never liked to train with people before. Actually I was solo training. If I, I hated training with workout partners absolutely hated it. So but now him and I will train together and we switch the schedules to training in the morning. So what well, time like early morning? Yeah, about six thirty AM.
0: That's pretty early. Sounds- yeah. Yeah. I recently started early mornings too. It's nice to yeah.
2: It's nice to do it. Do it and um before my days were quite a bit more scattered because I still work as a personal trainer, but um, I would try to do, I'd train clients in the morning. I'd go to the gym then I'd train clients again. Um, and it was just this very broken, scattered day. Um, but now getting the workouts done in the morning, I'm done. I get there 6 30 AM and I'm done by nine 9, 10 AM. And then I have the rest of the day train clients. I'm open to doing, I mean, even stuff like this interviews, podcasts, that that used to be, with the schedule being broken, I didn't have the opportunity to do that as much. Um, and also being in a kind of transitionary phase of my life of, um, not being at the beginning, kind of backtracking at the beginning of the year. I saw this, um, my plans for this year were to be traveling, doing handstand workshops and all this handstand focus things. And, um, now I still love handstands and I still do have handstand clients, but I, want to transition into, um, into doing more public speaking and, um, and the other, all this other fitness knowledge that I have fitness diet, um, then just handstands. So that's been a great having this extra time because getting rid of the workouts in the morning has been great for me, developing that and seeing how that's going to progress into the future.
0: And how's so now? You're training with a partner, yeah. And you do you like it more than training alone? Because I went the other way. I was yeah. always with the community, with the only yeah. practicing, and now I've been training alone. Uh huh. And I feel almost like something's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that it's better or worse. It's just different, and I don't know which I prefer.
2: So, normally, I, I, like I said, I hated working out with people before. <laughs> I do like working out with him now quite a bit, but okay. I think that's only him. <laughs> Are you guys
0: I, on a, the same program?
2: Um, pretty much. How
0: yeah. much does he hip thrust?
2: Pretty much the same as me. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: more? Can, um, you, can, you, can you hip thrust more than him?
2: Uh, so we haven't tried like going at the 500 range yet. Like he can get a few more reps than me okay. at the other, at the, like the 400, 450 range. Um, but he's also like a hundred pounds <laughs> more than me. So
0: yeah. slight advantage,
2: <laughs> slight advantage. <Okay. laughs> I'd say proportionally, but yeah.
1: I wonder, you know, cause, cause both of us is, as, as Matt mentioned, we're training with a community that SF movement practice, which yeah. Michelle, yeah. We were kind of training partners to one another, pushing yeah. one another. Which yeah. I liked a lot, calling one another, and, you know, he's really good at pulling strength. And I'll be like, right, you need to squat more. Yeah. <laughs> and some other stuff. And now we're both doing the individual. I moved out to Atlanta two months ago. had uh-huh. a, a fresh new baby.
0: Oh, uh, congratulations.
1: And he moved out to, uh, do you call it the Central Valley? What do you call the it? The
0: Central Valley, yeah, from okay. east of San Francisco.
1: And um it's been quite a transition. I feel like I'm a little bit faster and more um, like focused in mm-hmm. some ways on like on my alone training. There's less chit chat. Yeah, like It's not like the community part, the, the social soul kind of friendships is, is missing, but I, I'm still kind of wondering like what, how are you enjoying now working out with working out with your boyfriend? Like what's, what has changed?
2: Um, so when I worked out with people before it was, I go into coach mode. Um, and so I basically had to write it off as I'm going to just be teacher. And, um, it's really hard for me to turn off coach mode. Um, and I was always the one who had my, my specific program in mind and, uh, then, I feel like I have to like coach and teach whoever I was working out with and especially any of my other friends. Um, it was just, I found myself wasting a lot of time teaching and then also a lot of time just like catching up and talking. So I just wrote it off as, okay, I'm either in coach mode or I'm just in socializing mode and it's just, we're just gonna catch up and, you know, girl talk and all that. So with him, though, um, we both have things that we bring to the table. So, for example, when it is leg day, I run the workouts. And he already has such a great foundation with things that I don't need to take a lot of time with coaching and overcorrecting. He pretty much gets it right away. And then when it's the upper body days, he takes over on those. And, again, I already have a baseline Foundation and body awareness so he doesn't need to take million years explaining things to me and we just kind of have a good thing worked out that's like okay you run these days. I run these days. Um, okay. yeah. And so we both push And since We spend a ton of time together anyway. The workouts are workout focused. And then we have chit chat time later times. And, uh, we both push each other quite a bit. And I mean, you know, I was saying this to him these past few weeks. I've never, usually when I work out with people, I end up like tapering myself back a little and I'm not pushing myself to my furthest, but he's managed to push me way further than things I've been ever thought I was capable of which is a huge change that I've never really had before but I think it's that that level of focus and that we're both kind of on that same energy that's great yeah
1: makes a lot of sense and and I used to be in a very similar place also growing up yeah. I used to train more than other people, and then when I was training with friends, it's kind of like I'm watching them even doing like the, you know the flat pull downs back in the day, the tricep extension, yeah. like the tr- elbows close in, and before yeah. I know it, I'm doing like a third of my workout. Yeah, I'm warmed up enough, I'm prone to injury. Yeah,
0: I totally get that. Yeah. What do you uh you gave us kind of a overview of your nutrition? Yes. And uh- yesterday you had your first. Steak?
2: I did. And, and how long? <laughs> um, I wanna say so. I think it's been about six years since I had a bite of steak, but it's been like seven or eight years since I like actually ate steak.
0: And yesterday was the first one? S-
2: yesterday was the first time, and I I went all in. I uh <laughs> I had a massive ribeye the size of my face. Wow. <laughs> home? Just at home, yeah. What'd I, you think? Um, so it tasted amazing. Yeah. I, I loved it. Um, some people were like, "Oh, you might not. It might take a while for you to acclimate to the taste of meat." Um, no, nope. I loved it. When I was when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I loved rare, rare steak. That was my favorite thing in the world. Like bloody rare steak, um, and I would just go to town on it. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't messing with any kids' menus. I wanted like the big deal. Um, and then I. Got into yoga, and, or so even actually before yoga, I started cutting out red meat just for health reasons. I read all these things about it and um, I just decided to cut out red meat. I also cut out dairy. Um, and dairy, I still stand by. I have no desire to eat dairy again. I feel much better for it. Um, and uh, but then I got into yoga, and when I was in my yoga teacher training, they said, for the whole yoga experience and practice to, um, to become vegetarian. So at the beginning, I wasn't really in favor of it, but anytime I do something, I want to get the full experience and I'm going to go all in and try it. So, um, I'm like, okay, for the duration of the teacher training, which was about six months, I'm going to try this.
0: Is this for like karmic reasons? Not, or? or
2: yeah, just for like the, The principles of yoga, uh, Ahimsa, uh, nonviolence. So, so I'm like, okay, you know what, I'm going to try it. So I decided, I decided to give myself, my teacher training was a six month process. So I decided to give myself about a month, month and a half. I didn't just decide to go cold, cold turkey. Um I just was started to cut back on meat to instead of having it multiple times a day I'd only let myself have it once a day and then a couple weeks later okay I'm only going to have it a couple times a week um after about a month and a half I just didn't have it at all anymore. Um, I still had eggs and, um, yeah, I still had eggs at that point. Um, but I was trying to cut back with that as well. Um, then by the end of the yoga training, I was like, you know what? I like this. I'm going to do this. Um, and, uh, so then I went pretty much full vegan, um, a little bit after that. I just kind of got a little neurotic in my head. I think a lot of it was just trying to prove points to people. Um, and I decided to go try raw vegan. That was insane. Um, that was, first of all, I did, I tried to say, oh yeah, I feel great. Oh, I feel awful. Um, I was constantly bloated. I, it, it, it was running my life. I was trying to sprout my own seeds, sprout my own legumes, sprout my own grains, all this stuff. Um, I was with Fashal at the time and he was like, yeah, it it was, it was a nightmare for me to be (laughs) running around babysitting my seeds and, and dealing with that. And it just limited going out to restaurants. It limited social things. I mean, being vegan enough was, was difficult social wise, um, But being raw vegan, it was just, it was impossible. Um, that only lasted about a month. Um, and then I just was plain vegan. Um, certain things that I noticed I was getting, I was trying to get most of my protein just from beans and lentils specifically. I, again, was constantly bloated, um, Then, and also as far as strength gains went at that time, I was mostly yoga, but then I was trying to transition into calisthenics training. Um, I wasn't really lifting at that point, just doing like, like minor weights. Um, but I couldn't really be considered lifting. Um, and then when I did want to start lifting and making some major strength gains, I was noticing I just wasn't having the energy. I wasn't, I was putting in all this work and I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting the progress that I wanted to get out of it. So, um, I decided to start eating fish and as I eased back into fish, I felt amazing. And my strength gains went up a lot. Um, so then for the past few years, I've been eating about like, I want to say like at least a pound of fish a day. I go through quite a bit. Um, the past two years or year and a half, I added eggs back in. So I eat quite a bit of eggs um, and I just, I feel amazing for it. Um, lately, I haven't been feeling, I've been feeling great with my diet, but I haven't, um, I just was curious about what adding meat back in might do. Um, and yeah, so for the past couple months, I've been thinking about it and I just was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I want to do it right. So we went out, we made a whole event of it. Um, and yeah, so... I don't think... So what I've noticed for it today, um, I felt really strong for a couple sets of my workout this morning, but my endurance was down. Um, I wasn't able to do as much as I normally can do or for the duration. Um, So it was a little bit better, but then also a little bit worse. I also feel very like physically just really bloated. Um, I wish I haven't felt that for in that way for a while. Um, so those were just a couple of things that I noticed from it.
0: Do you think it's because you ate a huge one? Maybe if you had eaten like half of that.
2: Yeah, I think, I think maybe also if it wasn't I, that being considered, I don't want to blame that just on the meat. That was a lot of fat that I'm not used to eating. Yeah. So eating a ribeye, um, and then eating that massive, massive amount. Also the whole meal had quite a bit of sodium in it. So between the sodium and the fat. So I don't, it's, it's kind of hard to say that it was just from the steak that I felt like kind of sluggish
0: when's your next one
2: when's my next one
0: (laughs) have you programmed it in
2: um not necessarily i haven't gotten there yet but i was thinking about that today after the workout um I think it might be like a once. Every, I I don't want to say I'm gonna have meat back as a staple. I'm pretty happy with how I've been feeling with fish and eggs. Um, maybe like a special occasion, like once every once every week or two. Um, cool. Not not an everyday staple thing.
1: Did you have any sides? Is next to the right
2: Um, we had asparagus. We had Shoshito peppers. We had a tomato salad. Um, and potatoes. Cool. Yeah, so it was a whole big complete thing do you
0: do you like fast or anything or do you have like any sort of compressed feeding period or is it just like how do you typically eat with training in the morning
2: um, okay so that's kind of changed also with the in the morning I love to have I, I need to have breakfast I need to have something in my stomach absolutely um, before, before you training.
0: train before <laughs> training yeah this guy has to be completely <laughs> empty not even a sip of water yeah that's <laughs> like it's not, not true <laughs> that... <laughs> okay
2: so, how stuff has kind of changed too. Um, uh, I I feel tons better if I have food in my stomach before working out. Even if it's just like a, a little protein bar, I still don't feel great, but it's something. If I have absolutely nothing in my stomach, I feel. I feel heavy and sluggish. I know some people say, okay, if they have something in their stomach, they feel heavy and sluggish. If I don't have something, it's not good. Um, usually before I was doing these early morning workouts, I would have breakfast. I'd wait an hour or two and then work out. So it is kind of been tricky with the wake up with the six 30. Cause I'm not getting up at four 30, 5. AM I'm getting up at like five forty 6. AM. And, uh, So for the last year or so, my breakfasts have typically been mostly egg whites and kale spinach um, and a pretty big amount of it, I'd say like let's say six eggs worth, um, mostly egg whites, like one to two full eggs and then like massive amount of kale and spinach. And I feel pretty good from that. Um, before that I was eating pretty carb heavy breakfast, but then, um, I switched that down and I've been feeling really good with the egg whites thing. Um, but mornings I've kind of been experimenting back and forth with these early morning workouts. Sometimes it's been just a protein bar, um, and I always have coffee. I have to have coffee. Um, I can't not do it. Amen. <laughs> Gotta have coffee. <laughs> uh, so just protein bar and coffee. Um, I usually feel myself kind of dying pretty early on in the workout. Um, any the, I've tried maybe two times where I didn't have anything and no go for me. It's just no energy, no strength. And I'm like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Uh, my my focuses are not on weight loss at any means. So, and it's just, I want to feel strong. I want to feel like I have high performance and that just wasn't doing it for me. Um, I still feel the best with when I have my eggs in the morning, um, still hundred percent better. Um, sometimes I'll try to do a smoothie, what I don't like about the smoothie in the morning is that I feel really full of liquid and then I just feel nauseous the whole workout because um, I'll, like, slam a 40-ounce smoothie and then try to go work out a half hour later and it's just, like, yeah, sloshing around.
0: Yeah. Um, How long are your sessions? You said a couple hours? Three hours? Um,
2: at least, yeah. I mean... So what I usually do now is um, I warm up. I always do a core activation warm up. I think that's a highly neglected thing. Um, yes, it's important to warm up the joints, hips, shoulders, but um, I think it's super important to activate the core before. So I have a whole core activation sequence that I do. Um,
0: can people find that on your Instagram?
2: No, they can't actually. I got to hit you up.
1: That's one thing that I'm missing from my morning routine. Yeah. This is, I want to do it. This
2: is like one of my specialty things. And, um, I've been wanting to put out an online program for a while. I haven't done that yet, but um, but yeah, that would be a. I have a very specific core activation thing that I've never seen anyone else really do. And everyone that I've showed it to, all of my clients, all of my friends who I've showed it to do, it is extremely effective, and it's unlike any other core sequence. Cool. Um, and yes. It's what? How long is that? I mean, it can be as little as like five, 10 minutes, or it can be a little bit longer. Um, It's something that I definitely go into coach mode with people with because it's not what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. um, And uh, very, very specific about it. Um, But yeah, so I always start with that. It's actually on a foam roller. I do it on the foam roller because it brings a stability aspect, which makes you engage a ton more. Um, And uh, it's it's all about mostly pelvic floor and transverse abdominus engagement, and then going through little micro pulse movements. Um, and if doing it right, it's the most intense core workout of your life, but it's not, I mean, yes, you get a core workout, but it's not intended just to just be a core workout. So, um, so I do that. And then I usually do core first. Um, cause I think that's the most important thing, no matter what the focus is. And, um, the core is such a, I, I, I hate just say, I hate, training abs. It's not about training six-pack muscle. Um it's uh so there's there's so many things you can do with core training. So I do train core every day. Every day. Um, so that's usually anywhere from if I'm short on time, 30, 40 minutes. Ideally I like to spend about an hour on core. Um, and then I get into whatever lifting focus it is. Um, that can be about an hour and a half to two and a half hours, depending on how much time I have and what the focus of the day is. And also how many friends are at the gym and want to talk to me. I'm really bad at that sometimes.
0: Yeah.
1: You're not, your core is not exhausted after this hour. No, it's
2: ready to, it's ready to go at that point. Um, and also I think at this point of my training for the, before I got into lifting, and it was calisthenics training that was highly, highly core focused. I would say that I wouldn't make, I wouldn't just put any, anyone into that kind of workout routine right away. My, I'm highly adapted to it. So, um, I don't feel fatigued. I mean, I get a great core workout, but I don't feel fatigued in it. I don't feel like, okay, the rest of the workout and the rest of the lifts that I'm not able to engage it. Um, yeah.
1: Somebody else would have a ground up. Like a fraction, perhaps. Of, yes, like, to yeah. It, to be
0: able to...
2: Um, exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Do you do any conditioning work? You're super lean.
2: Um, I do. So I don't do a ton of cardio, um, but... Good for you. <laughs> um, but I don't want to say I do no cardio at all. That's changed a lot throughout my life. Um, I used to when I was a more skinny yoga girl, um, I had a more, I naturally have a more ectomorphic body type. Um, and then as I got, I'm 28 now, almost 29. Um, as I started getting older, I'd say right around like 27, I felt a shift in my body and I start, like I was, I never had to do any cardio before. Um, and, uh, but then yeah, right around 27, I started feeling like, yeah, I was putting fat on in ways that I didn't think I was before. Um, I started noticing cellulite. I started noticing I was working out more and more, but still gaining weight. Um, and so I did start adding some cardio in, um, then this past, at the beginning of the year, um, I went through, so last year I was eating, I kind of, I was eating like a lot of desserts and a lot of sugar this year. I decided to stop eating sugar and I went to a very low carb diet. Um, I still stand by no sugar, no processed sugar or minimal sugar. But, um, recently in the past month or so I started adding carbs back in and I feel really great for it. Um, I, once I started eating carbs again and I also at the beginning of the year when I was on a very low carb diet, I was doing cardio almost every day, meaning I was like doing stair sprints. I was doing stair master. I was at least like five times a week. I was doing some sort of like at least 30 to 40 minutes of cardiovascular, um, specific exercise, conditioning exercise. Um, And that included things like, like kettlebells. Um, those are my, that's my favorite way to get cardio actually is doing like medicine ball, uh, battle rope, kettlebell type, uh, hit circuits. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I lost, I lost some weight, but I was kind of, I, then I kind of plateaued. Um, and I think I gained a little bit of it back. And then this past month or so I started doing a lot less cardio and adding carbs back in, but I dropped I got way leaner, like in the past month, much much leaner than I was two months ago. Um, so
0: you're so you're now like moderate carb, would you say?
2: Yeah, I'd say moderate carb. I I've been trying to play with carb cycling. There's some days I'll have it, let's say, relatively higher than what I was used to. I was going on maybe like when I was on low carb, probably like sixty to eighty grams of carbs a day, um, if not less, because most of them were just from vegetables, fibrous carbs. Um to now let's say on like a high carb day is like 150 to 200, so that's still pretty low. Pretty low.
0: Yeah. How about yeah. alcohol?
2: Oh, barely ever. Yeah. Like once a month maybe I'll have some. Okay. It's a uh, yeah, ba- barely. What? A glass of wine or
1: something? Uh,
2: no. <laughs> if I do drink, I'll drink um Um, last month in June June July yeah um, no July it was my brother's wedding so um, that first month I mean I was there was a beginning of the month there was a bachelorette party so i drank alcohol for that and then the whole week of the wedding there was lots of like wedding events so i drank and i was like "Wow, oh, that's more alcohol than i've had in the past year uh, but yeah. then say there will be a couple months where i don't have a drop at all um but yeah so
0: but yeah. basically very low alcohol it's kind of the same for us i guess yeah uh,
1: yeah wait you, it's all about the bachelor parties and him today. I yeah. know. I party it's like drink a bachelor party, then I don't touch it for a few months. Yeah, you get sucked into
0: around. these committed events yeah. where you're like, "Hey, it's yeah. just it has to happen."
2: I'm not opposed to alcohol. Obviously, it's not great, and it does it's not conducive to my my training. Um, and because I normally have such a clean diet and I train so much, um, it knocks me out pretty bad. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the other week. I did go out with, or a couple weeks ago, we went out with, um, some friends and had a few too many shots of tequila. And I was, the next day it was like real bad, (laughs) real bad. Oh God. And I didn't feel normal for like three days.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I saw something on your Instagram. Uh Um, the, cossack squats in yes the, in the front rack uh-huh oh, man. what is your mobility work like because that is oh, yeah. some next level shit
2: so um my mobility work i think that having that foundation with with yoga and um and doing mobility focused stuff for the lower body before getting into lifting was a great great thing i think a lot of people that i notice like i'll see like bodybuilders power lifters strength trainers they are they get into lifting and then they're like, Oh, I'm so tight now I got to work on mobility. But I think having a really good mobility, not flexibility, but mobility foundation was huge because I don't do a ton of, I, I don't, I hate static stretching. I never, I don't stretch. Um, I actually hate even using that word, just stretching. Um, but i do a lot of active flexibility training a lot of a lot of end range motion training um i could sit in like you know the low squat for like days and not feel any pain at all um but i'm active in all these ranges of motion um when i'm training clients and stuff i'm crawling around on the ground i'm you know i'm not i try to i don't sit in chairs very very often i just i try to move through end ranges full end range motion all the time i try to just keep a mobile movements throughout my whole lifestyle Um, as far as mobility training goes I will add it in here and there, but I don't do a ton of, I I don't focus like a lot of hours on mobility training. Um, but I think that was because I was really lucky that, or not lucky, but because I did so much mobility training like i would do hours and hours of mobility training before i got into lifting so i've been able to maintain that just on very low amounts and just adding it into my lifestyle
0: cool so yeah. your so your lower body work if if you're going to do a heavy session whether you're doing hip thrust or front squats or whatever yeah. it is um you don't do any sort of mobility work prior, like you wouldn't do like that cossack progression leading up to a heavy lift or how, how does that fit? um
2: in? so i'll do, i'll warm up with some stuff i'm not just going to like go boom, right into it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I have like a little squat sequence that I do, um, where I go into the, the low squat. Um, it's, it was inspired from a, you know, portal sequence. And then yeah, I kind of yeah. transitioned it or not transitioned, but I kind of morphed it into my own thing. What benefits me the most? Um, yeah, yeah. uh, when also when I train clients, I always do it with them too. So I kind of double up with that. Um, I mean, they got to have a demo, so why not me just do it also? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, so Before I'm doing a session, I'll do a little bit. I'll be, I'll, it's like a little five minute sequence that I'll run myself through. Um, also a lot of the, I don't know if you've seen on my Instagram, you know, the handstand wavy like stuff that I did. Mm -hmm. A lot of that stuff is working through middle splits and all those hip mobility. I'm going through internal, external rotation. Um, Also the core activation sequences that I do, I focus on hip compression quite a bit in it and getting internal, external rotation of the hips. I try to get everything through that. So through the core activation sequence, I double up with that. um, So I get that at the same time, but yeah.
1: I'm curious. you know a ton about movement, and it uh, seems like you know a ton about nutrition. Yeah. Is it mostly self experimentation? You've studied with some people that you highly value. What? What was? The it's best?
2: a combination of that. Um, a lot of self experimentation. Um, I think a lot of it is individual. There's no golden answer of this is the best. This is the best diet for someone. This is the best uh, workout program for someone. Um, so, I just. I try to be open-minded to everything. Um, that's why I've gone through so many, so many different diets. Um, and even though some of them have not been the best or I don't regret any of it because it's given me a lot of, a lot of knowledge and experience, firsthand experience. I don't think I've ever done anything to the point where I've done it for so long that it's been detrimental or hurt me in the long run. Um, but, Yeah. I think the self-experimentation has is the biggest thing. Yes. I've done a lot of research, both on the internet and talking to people, getting as many perspectives as possible, but what works for someone might not work for someone else. And also what worked for me when I was 25 won't work for me anymore. Um, and it depends so much on what my training focuses on how my body's changed and evolved. Um, and, uh, like I was saying too, the low carb thing was working for me for a while and then it stopped working. I started noticing my strength going down. Um, the, the vegan thing maybe would have worked for me if I stayed just doing yoga and calisthenics stuff. But if I wanted to start, especially for my body type and my genetics, I don't want to say that vegan won't work for that. That's across the board. I'm sure there are some people that that could work for. But for my body type, being vegan would not have allowed me to make the strength gains that I wanted to make. Um, so, so yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, a lot of the diet stuff has, um, I have, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly, constantly
0: changing. So do you, I mean, obviously the training and the nutrition is a big part of it, but what mm-hmm. other lifestyle things do you, do you, would you say have a big impact on, you know, your level of performance? Like how do you prioritize sleep or, screen time at night or you know what what oh, are the other things i need to work on my sleep stuff <laughs> uh-huh. again, do you stay up late
2: um yeah yeah i stay up kind of late i need to i need to get better about that especially with the early morning workouts what time did you
0: go to bed last night oh like twelve thirty. oh my god i know it's not good yoni was like turning the lights off in here last it's night at eight thirty. 30 Shoving me into bed. All right, it's time.
2: <laughs> oh, it's not good. My I uh yeah, that's as much as I'm like very, very good about my, my training programs and my diet, um, two things that I will admit that I'm very bad at are sleeping and drinking water. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm really Yeah, we had to
0: force a glass yeah. of water on you <laughs> when you came in here. <laughs> I'll drink some water. So but,
2: I mean
1: it's when you do sleep Do you you feel like you're getting good sleep it's just the the sleep habits of getting to bed what's what's curious
2: it's hit or miss um yeah a lot of it's putting myself to bed um and i don't want to blame it on anything or anyone because yes now i have a boyfriend and we stay up late we talk and but even when i was just by myself i would have it was actually even worse i'd I'd have no reason not to go to bed by 10 or 11. And then it's like, Oh, I gotta do this thing. Oh, I gotta do that thing. Oh, okay. I'm watching a TV show. And then next thing I know, it's 12, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. Um, and so I know that's definitely on me. Um, but yeah, I just got into this late night habit thing. Um, and then even before the early morning 6 a.m workouts, I or 6:30 a.m. workouts, I was still waking up around 7:30. So um, for a while to, that was a lot last year. Um, but even when I was younger, I remember, Bragging that oh all I need is four or five hours of sleep and I was oh
0: you're one of those
2: I was one of those <laughs> and then I was functioning off of that and then there would be a few days where I would be able to do that and then it would hit me and I would just have these big crashes uh, yeah and I'm able as the older I get I'm not able to maintain that so much <laughs> and it's really it's crazy how just between that twenty seven twenty eight how it's uh, I've noticed major differences than I did when I, even between like 23 to 25. Um, so I'm not able to maintain that as much, but I definitely need to work on that. Putting myself to bed earlier thing.
0: Yeah. Well, your work is super inspiring. I I would wonder what advice would you give maybe a young woman in her Mm twenties wants to get strong, scared to get bulky. Maybe they've been into CrossFit. I feel like that's an outlet for women who want to say, like, Hey, I want to lean out. But then they get worried that they're going to get too bulky. Uh Uh-huh. You know, maybe they're doing like yoga or I don't know what. How would you...
2: Be versatile with your training. Um, That's one thing. I never got too, too into just one style of training. Even right now, yes, I do the heavy lifting stuff, but I still do. I still add in... Uh, the, even though I don't, not hand balancing anymore, it's still the, I'll do forearm based things. I'll still do mobility based things. So being versatile with your training, not too hyper focused on just one, one thing. Um, and listening to your body as it changes. So if they're concerned with getting, also just, don't be concerned with getting too bulky. It's not going to happen. It's just, it just not. Happen, right? Oh my gosh. I hear that all the time from girls. Oh, I'm going to, I need to stop doing orange theory. It's bulking me up. I'm sorry, honey. You're not getting bulky from orange theory.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> if you think you're getting bulky, maybe look at your diet. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, just being open-minded to mixing in lots of different, all, 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 the things. Um, and even if you have one focus, that's your passion or your primary primary thing still play around with adding in, um, like whether it's hiking or climbing or non, non, uh, program focused training. Um, and that's just going to be overall best for your body, unless you are just a professional athlete and you have to dedicate everything to that. But even professional athletes during their off season, they, they do, they do other things. Um, so, uh, I'd recommend that I'd recommend, playing around with different experimenting with diet, but not, not going to any extreme things, but seeing really finding what works best for your body. Um, also there's all the body and we get into advice for young women. There's the body image stuff. Um, that's a whole other topic. Um, I've gone through lots of issues with that. And, um, and, uh, I'd say one of the biggest things is to stay, to stay positive and performance focused and not get too hung up on aesthetics. Um, Cause I see that, I see that so much in a lot of like young girls that I work with. If there's anything that makes me happy is when they, when they, they find confidence from, Uh, they find confidence from what they can do, not just what they look like. Um, and, uh, like one little girl, 14 year old girl that I used to train, um, she was on a dance team and she was doing all this fitness stuff with me. And she came to me one day and she's like, Oh, all the girls were talking about being skinny today. And she's like, I don't care about that. I can do pull-ups. I can do handstands. And I was (laughs) like, Oh, that makes me so happy. Like, she's like, I feel strong. And I'm like, that's what you should be focused on. And, um, uh, yeah. So I'd say, Keeping keeping body body image in perspective, focusing on focusing on performance, and uh, and mean even not getting too caught up with just performance related, not getting not not identifying yourself with performance related things. That it's it's always growth promoting, but you are more than just your skills.
0: Yeah, yeah. And don't be afraid to lift heavy.
2: Yeah, and don't be afraid to lift heavy. You will not get bulky.
0: And do hip thrusts. I want to get on. You've inspired me. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes.
2: Hip thrusts have been the best thing for overall. And also, I mean, not just the, like, it's been popularized as like the cake booty building exercise. Get a, get a nice butt. It, it works. It does work. If you want a nice butt, hip thrusts are the, the way to go. But also, like I was saying, it's gonna make every, it's gonna make everything else, your overall function in life healthier. Um, core strength and glute strength are, I'd say the two most important things by far. Um, the stronger glutes you have, it's going to be better for, it's going to be better for your knees. It's going to be better for your back. It's going to be everything else that you do. You don't necessarily need to be hip thrusting 500 pounds, but I'd say that adding in glute focused work is going to benefit life
0: in general. Yeah. And I have a hard time getting my left glute to flip to fire.
2: Okay. So even then, when I
0: squat, so I'm like, maybe yeah, I should just isolate that thing. Isolate, and go yeah.
2: Isolation stuff is is key. I mean, I'm all for the big compound functional movements, but if something's, I, I teach this in handstands too. Uh, if something's not getting across, even if you're tell, if even if you understand it, you see it, you're you, it, but if it's not registering when you're doing the bigger movement, okay, take out, take take out the take out the weight, take out the complexity of it get your body to understand the movement pattern of it, get your body to understand the activation of it, or get that strength to be able to, even if you understand it, but if the strength isn't there, it's going to, it's going to go to the strength that it knows. Um, And so I think isolation is highly beneficial with handstands. um, If someone is not able to Uh, find their straight line and yelling at them over and over again, tuck your tailbone, hollow body, you know, straighten out, pull that in. You can yell at them all you want about doing it, but if they can't do it, then okay, let's not, let's, let's put them right side up. Let's take your body weight out of it. Let's get them to understand that. Okay. Now we'll flip it upside down. Now we'll put your body weight onto it. Um, and so yeah, same thing with lifts. Like if your glutes not firing in a squat, Okay, rather than just keep squatting and saying, fire, 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 let's break it down, isolate, get it to understand that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And are you offering like online programming do you write programs for people how do you not yet <laughs> no not yet
2: i uh yes was so again with the wrist thing at the beginning of the year i was intending on getting out with online programs um, my first thing was going to be a handstand program i don't think that's going to happen so much since i'm not demoing handstands so i was kind of redirecting that focus i would love to put out an online program soon um but i just haven't figured out the method that i want to go about doing that um and i think the first thing that i would when I, when I do it, um, will be core focused, um, will be the core activation. Um, and then the second would be glute focused.
0: You got your first two clients yeah. right here.
2: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. we we'll have
1: been doing a lot of different movement stuff. And yeah. to, to be honest, I'll admit that this is two areas that we don't put too much, uh, mm-hmm. focus on. Um, yeah and it's it's interesting you were talking about the isolation mm-hmm. a lot of people on crossfit that people see on instagram and whatnot yeah a lot of people that they were training back in the day were doing some sort of bodybuilding stuff mm-hmm. high volume isolation stuff yeah then they got into crossfit so they can do that more complex yes movements and then people want to jump into doing kipping pull-ups and yeah some other stuff and, and
2: then they end up hurting themselves and yeah yeah. And I think it's that's why when too the advice that I give is be versatile with things is um don't be closed minded to anything. I remember when, yeah, I would be closed minded to bodybuilding type of things. I think there's a time and place for that. Then yes, okay, I know so I work out at Gold's gym. I know so many bodybuilders. And then yes, you see all the injuries within that because they're anti doing they're anti-doing, uh, dynamic movements, they're anti-doing yoga and mobility movements. So it's, it's combining all of it. And, um, yeah, I was, I was against doing bodybuilding type of things. And then, um, I saw how much it benefits the bigger compound movements. And yes, it's looks cool to do the, the big CrossFit, uh, the big CrossFit movements. But I think that if you're noticing a limiting factor, like lack of glute activation or lack of glute strength, doing isolation things will then benefit that they all benefit each other. So, yeah.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. We'll take yeah. you some much. people. Yeah. Yeah. Where can people keep up with you and what you're doing?
2: Um, so I am on Instagram, but I have been in a, uh, again, transitionary phase of wanting to redirect where I'm going with my Instagram. Um, I was doing more, uh, just, it was a lot of handstand stuff and then just, uh, kind of, I was going in the brand ambassador kind of direction. Um, but I want to take a more serious approach because I feel like my Instagram doesn't really show all of the, the knowledge that I have and the diversity that I have. So, um, Within in the next month or so, I'm going to be redirecting the focus of my Instagram. So on my Instagram, it's uh, Erica.Gastoni, my name. So that's Erica with a K, dot G-A-S-Z-T-O-N-Y-I. Um, also, I am going to be in the next couple of months starting up a YouTube channel. So that would be probably the better place to keep up with me and everything that I'm doing um, on the YouTube channel. I'll be including everything from non-fitness stuff to diet things, my programming, um, and hypertrophy, um, all of basically everything that I just talked about. I want to have episodes really diving in deeper into all these topics. Um, so yeah, YouTube would probably be the best, but that won't be up and running for at least a
0: a month or two. That's great. And I'm excited to see the new content on your Instagram. I mean, I came into this anticipating talking a lot about handstands and I'm, (laughs) <laughs> blown away and super excited. And I can personally think of a few women who would be really excited about the stuff you're up to. That's
2: awesome. Yeah. That's really encouraging and great to hear because, um, yeah, cause a part of backtracking on the, the wrist injury thing with the identity thing was okay. When I, if I'm not Erica handstand girl anymore, are people still going to be a fan? Are people still going to respect me or want anything from me? Um, and yeah, I saw a follower decline but that's not necessarily to say that that I can't get I can't help people and have even more interest than because there is more to life than handstands and there is more to me than handstands um and maybe just the initial the initial followers that I had yes I'm gonna drop those ones who just cared about the handstands but I think there's a lot of women and people who can benefit from a lot
0: more than that 100% yeah yeah Yeah. you're evolving yes (laughs) I love that. I'm so so happy for you. It's, uh, it's exciting. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out.
2: Yeah. It's been great. I'm so glad I got to get on the show and yeah.
0: Beautiful. Well, thanks for hanging out everybody. Of course.
1: (laughs) Take care. All
2: All right. Bye guys.